Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast, the only F1 podcast that isn't happy. No, that's a complete lie. I was going to say is the only podcast that isn't happy that F1 is having a break. I think all the F1 podcasts are a bit uh, upset that we're having to wait so long for the next Grand Prix. But there you go. Some sometimes you've got to give these uh, these F1 drivers a bit of a holiday, I guess. And uh, yeah, well, fair enough then. At least when it comes back, it's Spa, so something to look forward to. Well, absolutely, we are in the uh, the midst of. Shall we say a bit of a, uh, a golden patch of uh, modern Formula One, <laughs> a golden patch of two, <laughs> of two races, uh, but still, you know, that's that's um, more than we've <laughs> we've had in the last couple of years, I suppose. Um, with a very interesting British Grand Prix previously, and then uh, the subject of tonight's episode, the Hungarian Grand Prix. Uh, always a Grand Prix that's thrown up a few surprises here and there. It's uh, you know, it's one of those tracks where the, you look at the statistics records and uh, pole actually isn't necessarily the guarantor of success that it is in some of the other races. So I guess we shouldn't have been so surprised that we ended it's up with. It's interesting you say that because it is such a difficult track to overtake. So, you know, on paper, it should be a boring Grand Prix. Yeah. Uh, it's like... I'm always uh, I'm always the same. I comes up to Hungary and I think, oh, don't really like that track. And every year it produces, or, or a lot of the time it's produced really, really just mad races. And eventually I'm going to have to start, you know, saying actually that is a, I'm going to have to start giving it the credit it deserves because I mean that's two years in a row we've had clearly good Grand Prix. And of course there was the year Jensen won his one there in 2006, which was a good Grand Prix. And I'm I'm, I'm sure more over the hold on. Have a mic trouble, I think. Oh, you sound good to me, mate. Sound good. Just it went really weird there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> like it was like your volume. It was like you know, imagine the knob getting turned slowly down towards quieter and quieter. You know, it was weird. It sounds alright now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, we've had we've had loads of of good Grand Prix there. So I'm gonna have to start giving Hungary the credit it deserves. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you know, it, it, it's. You're right, it is bizarre that a track that technically has probably really only two, well, one decent overtaking spot and one fairly dicey one that um, uh, occasionally they they do up the, the shorter straight. Um, you see them coming into that corner and, and, and getting around. But, um, well, I don't really know. Where should we start with this one? Do, do we start with who won the race or do we start with the people who clearly lost out the most? Yeah, it's a difficult one because <laughs> the natural instinct is to start with with the championship leaders. So, shall we start there? Well, yeah. Let's let's talk about Lewis and so Nico's race. Really, so they were both on the front row, so it's the logical place to start. So, yeah, Lewis was uh, pole position. Uh, I think he had the measure of Rosberg all of qualifying, didn't he? There was a good. It seemed like it. Good couple of tenths at least. So, so at that point, I'm thinking, you know, Lewis is, you know, something, something mad's going to need to happen for Lewis to lose this. It looks like, <laughs> his, it looks, it looked like um, Lewis is to lose after qualifying, and then 
that's two weeks in a row we've seen really weird starts from teams that aren't the Mercedes. In Silverstone, we had the Williams, and now this week we've had the Ferrari. So both both times jumping the two Mercedes off the line. So what is happening here? Is the Mercedes poor off the line all of a sudden? Well, or are the other teams if both Williams and Ferrari somehow magically come up with lightning starts overnight? It's so right. strange. It is strange. I, I vaguely wondered if um, well, well, Lewis's one was in in um, the British Grand Prix was but was described because that was a problem with his clutch, wasn't it? He, I think they said, wasn't there? Well, there was a problem with the bite point find. So he had to do it manually, hence the reason why he wasn't wasn't quick off the line. But this one here, it was both cars. I vaguely wondered if if with the new rules about driver launching uh, from the start that have come in, whether Mercedes thought, ah, you know what, we're so fast, let's do a practice one this time so that we're really prepared for Spa. Um, okay. You know where the Williams are going to be closer. I wonder if they thought, well, the Williams are so far behind. You know, we know we're quicker than Ferrari, so let's um, let let's just give this new starting procedure a proper go, whilst everybody else is still, you know, trying to eke out their maximum and and, and thinking that maybe they'd still be in a a position to, you know, maximise their weekend, even if they didn't necessarily start. Um, yeah. Plus, I think. I can be corrected if I'm wrong, listeners. Um, but I think the Mercedes took new engines either in Silverstone or here. So that's their first new engines of the season. So I wonder if they thought, well, that's fine because we can turn the wick up if we need to. And um, Okay. So based on that theory then, you you think it should be a, a closer level playing field in Spa? Well, it's depends. Because the, the, or even Mercedes being better because they've had a chance to practice. Maybe. I don't know. I obviously it's just speculation, but well, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm unsure about what really has been banned by this. You know, drivers are in control of their starts. Um, whether it's just the bite point find, or whether it's engine start maps, or or what, I, I don't really know. Um, if that's the case, and Mercedes just says, you know, let's let's go with it a race early and see how the difference is going to be. Uh, and then obviously Ferrari didn't because you know that they're not going to. That would make sense, and it would make sense that in Spa the starts would be much closer. Though you don't know how much difference it makes in general. You don't know whether still the Mercedes starts were still both poor even for manual starts. Mm-hmm. We'll have to keep yeah. calling them manual starts, won't we? Really, um, and whether you know a Fer- the Ferraris could still have gotten away ahead of them just by having a better manual start if if they were doing the same start procedure, potentially. Uh, you just don't know, really. I, Spa will tell us, won't it, really? That will be the... Absolutely. You know, Spa is always a good race, even at the worst of times, but now it feels like there's a, a whole load of other question marks going in. So, like you say, that'll be... That'll give us some of the answers. So... I guess the so, first instance we have to talk about is once... You yeah, know, the, two, the two Ferraris get, get by... Nico gets in front of Lewis. Yep. And then obviously there's the um I'm loath to call it an incident. It was barely an incident, but Lewis trying to get by Nico and uh, ending up in the gravel and coming back on 
tenth, something yeah. like that. So, what did you make of that? Was uh, Lewis to blame? Nico to blame? Nobody to blame? Because I've seen varying opinions on all ends of this spectrum. Yeah, I, 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 it surprised me that there's been so much debate, really, um, from you know, certainly from my point of view. Um, there's there's not really anything to it. Nico goes to the right-hand side and then comes back to take the line. Uh, Lewis is steaming up the inside, um, locks his brakes and then realises that Nico is coming across to take the line and he's not going to get out of his way. So, uh, and doesn't have to because Lewis is behind him. He's not made an overtaking move. He's already out of control before he even gets to the point of being anywhere near Rosberg. Um, mm-hmm. So he has to go through the gravel, and and that that's the end of that, really, as far as as far as I'm concerned. It, I mean, it, it was just Lewis trying too hard. I agree, uh, and I would say uh, I agree exactly what you've said there. And I, if that was um, Felipe Massa in Rosberg's position, and uh, I don't know Nico Hulkenberg behind them, would there have been any anybody talking about it? Probably not. It's because it's Rosberg versus Hamilton, and yeah. it's because because there's been so much drama in the past with those two, and because both sides have very vocal camps who don't take much encouragement to scream conspiracy. Put it that way. On both sides, both sides are to blame. Or like, are, have their own. <laughs> both both left and right have their own radicals. You know, to make a little bit of a politics analogy. So. Yeah, if it was two guys that weren't Hamilton and Rosberg, I think we'd probably go, oh, and and look at it for about 10 seconds and then forget, you know. Because it's those two, it's such a massive incident. So, you know, I'm with you. It's it's a race incident. Lewis has made a bit of a, a mess and he's lost some positions. And, and that's really the end of it for me. I think the, the sad thing is, is it felt that there were a lot of people who wanted to say, well, it's Lewis, so it can't have been that he made a mistake almost, that there were you know, apologising yeah. away any aspect that it could be that, you know, he just not made the right decision, went for a space that was never going to be there, in the, you know, in the same way that Max Verstappen did at uh, Monaco. Yeah. Um, is it, it, to me, that's the same incident. Is Max Verstappen thought, ah, oh, I'm going to go there. Oh, I've locked up. Oh, there's a car there now. Oh, dear. And that's, to me, what... Lewis did, but he was able because the corner was much slower going into it by, by comparison to uh, steer away and come back onto the track because of the way the the, the curve was going to the right, so the the cars weren't going to go back in front of him in the way that Grosjean did to Verstappen, or mm-hmm. the, of why Verstappen crashed into Grosjean, I should say, really. Um, so yeah, so I, yeah, I, again, I don't know, I don't know why we're looking at this and thinking that's a that's anything other than a, a you know a, a mistake, just a mistake. Yeah. Any driver can have. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that Lewis moaned on the radio, but then you never no the Stewarts didn't investigate it. There was there was nothing. There was nothing to investigate, and that tells its own story. So we've got Lewis down in tenth by this point, and uh, the two Ferraris out in front. And I'm thinking, did I check the right date? Is it Christmas Day? We got Vettel leading the race from Kimi Räikkönen with Hamilton down in tenth. It's like all my dreams have come true. <laughs> uh, and 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 you know, Lewis had 
multiple of dramas for the end, but the one man who didn't seem to have dramas from that point on was, was Seb. He just, he just stayed there, didn't he? Well, you know, I guess we shouldn't be surprised by that. You know, he did it often enough. Yeah, when he gets in front. In the Rebel, know. he knows how to, you know, to control a race. He doesn't get flustered being in first, for, nope. that's for sure. Um, all the action, all that, uh, and there was plenty of it, all happened behind him. Uh, yeah, well, absolutely. Um, I guess the first of that would be um, Hamilton and Massa. Yeah, uh, Lewis was coming back through the field, obviously with a, you know, a car that was capable of being on pole by about four tenths of a second down in tenth, so he's coming roaring through the field. Yeah, and then then he came up to to, to Massa, and they decided that they would have. Um, a little bit of a uh, tire rubber swapping session. Uh, it must have been. I think the tires look quite cool when they've had the uh, oh, and Pirelli I, uh, stuff rubbed off of the side of them. I, I like that too. Yeah, I like that too. They these two don't exactly have a you know the most friendly of histories either. Do you? I mean, when Felipe was in the Ferrari and Lewis was in the Maca, well, I mean, how many times did they come together? Many. So yeah, like you say, they they had the. The, the little scuff, but but Lewis ended up uh, getting past, didn't he? Uh, yes, uh, and then he made his way up to about fifth, I think it was, just behind uh, Daniel Ricciardo, um, and then had to pit, but still came out ahead of Bottas, although I think it was only just, wasn't it? He um, had a little bit of a tussle, but um, he ended up ahead. Um, and then they pitted Rosberg, and I, I, I thought that was strange because... I thought first place had the dibs. Do you know what I mean? They had the dibs on there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but but I think they kind of say that, don't they? But with the sort of disclaimer that in, in extenuating circumstances, they'll change the strategy. And I guess this, this, this bit of... They didn't expect to be in the positions that they were, so they changed the strategy. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I, I suppose you have to, you have to pit and put people out in the right window. And I guess, yeah. I guess, but it just doesn't seem like that they've been doing that. That you know, the person in first gets their window first, and then you work out where the person in second is going to come. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a bit. It was interesting. You're listening to the Last Lap Podcast. The home of F1 banter. So yeah, so they've they've pitted both cars now, um, and I guess we get to what was probably the the dullest part of the race. I, I guess in um, at, at that stage, um, we had to wait for kind of the uh, um, pit stops to really sort of shake themselves out. Um, before we, we we kind of worked out where everybody was in the um, switch of things, um, and Lewis Lewis is quicker than than Nico for that phase of the race. Yeah, seemed to catch them because he passes Ricardo, uh, and and he's catching he's catching Nico at quite a rate of knots. To be honest, I was getting quite worried, and then of course. The Hulkenberg incident happens. Like you say, that 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 middle section was probably the dullest part. Not much was going on. You got the Ferraris out front. Lewis is is going quickly after the pit stop, 
And then the Hulkenberg incident, he massive front wing failure. You don't see that very often. No. And no, then, and then was... obviously the safety car to bunch up the field. So well, the virtual safety car, wasn't it? And then, and then the real. Um, then they realised how much stuff was on there. So, um... but it was a strange incident for Nico Hulkenberg. Like he just seemed to <laughs> break. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess you get used to the idea that. Um, the cars are all put together really strong, but if the loads that must go through the front wing and through those tiny struts that they essentially tack the front wing onto the nose on, um, I guess it's probably more surprising that you don't see more front front wing failures. Um, although that was a particularly scary one, given um, given where he was. Um... Yeah, so like you say, they bring out the virtual, but that's not really. It's too. I think there was debris everywhere, wasn't there? Yeah. So, so we bring in we bring out the the standard safety car, and at this point, I'm thinking, oh, we're uh, you know if if Mercedes end up passing the Ferraris here, and after everything that's went on, we end up with a Mercedes one two. I think I might just <laughs> that might be the end for me. <laughs> like there's just no way we can't possibly end up with a Mercedes one two after all of this. And thankfully we didn't, <laughs> for me anyway, as a Ferrari fan. But I was worried for a while. So we ended up with the uh, the safety car, which went... So it was Ferrari, Ferrari behind the safety car, Vettel Raikkonen, then Rosberg Hamilton, and then a Danny Ricciardo, who uh, I think had the... Everybody seemed to go to the medium tyre, except Ricciardo. Yeah. So Ricciardo went on the soft tyre. So he was going to be quick, but in a Red Bull, <laughs> whereas the other two were in faster cars, but the slower tire. So yeah, you, it was set, all set up to be a, a cracking, a cracking sort of last uh, quarter of the race after the safety car. I did expect the Mercedes to be able to pass the Ferraris, must admit, uh, and obviously that that ended up not happening due to various various incidents. I mean, mm. the first, the first being. Uh, was it what was it was it Lewis on the restart was the first incident? Yeah, with uh, Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo uh, was into the first corner, wasn't it? Um, I actually can't remember exactly how that one one happened. I, Lewis lost part of his front wing though, and that was what I remember. Um, and Danny went off the track, and so lost lost a bit of time. Um, I think in a in a lot of ways it's very interesting. If you think about the uh, amount of um, pain Daniel Ricciardo went through so think how, how where he might have come had all of his overtaking moves not kind of almost all of them ended in removing a piece of his car um oh it was was that was where he bust the side pod wing wasn't it I think yeah I am just I can't remember Daniel it's... Ricciardo's what happened Daniel Ricciardo's on the quicker tires mm-hmm. uh, and he goes to I think he goes to go round the outside into turn one. I think Lewis said it on the radio himself. He just understeers, and Lewis ends up uh, going into the side of him. So Lewis, Ricardo doesn't actually need to pit. So it was kind of Lewis's fault for the incident, and then Lewis ended up getting the drive through. But the, it was Lewis's fault for the incident. But the double punishment was that it was him that had the most damage as well. So he ended up with a drive through and had to pit. Yep. So it put him right down, and Ricardo, who who was the one that tried to make the pass, kind of got off scot free a little bit. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, because the cardos come out of the last turn after the restart, all guns blazing on the on the yellow tires on the on the softer tires. So he's got uh, he's, he's got to run down the straight. Yeah, he goes to go round. He goes to the left into the right hand turn, comes round the the the, the left uh, comes round the outside, and Lewis just doesn't have any grip on the slower tire after the yeah, restart, that's it, and just kind of kind of clouds into the side of him. But the ironic thing being, <laughs> Ricardo gets off scot free, and Lewis has uh, damaged the car, and you know, and gets a drive through, yeah, gets a drive through to boot, you know, and that's where he's like, you know, he comes into the pits and he's all sorry to the to the team yes. on the radio. I thought that was, I thought that was quite funny, really. In that, um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, he could have, in in other ways, like thrown away a bag full of points for them, and um, you know, he gets to be stroppy when when it all goes wrong for him in Monaco. But you know, when he duffs it up and <laughs> doesn't do a good job, nobody says anything. No, well, <laughs> the life the life of those up front, I guess. Um, so then he so comes Rosberg up. is doing is uh, up into second because Raikkonen suffers the yeah poor uh, old Jimmy the Felipe uh, Massa syndrome of being in the second Ferrari uh, and yeah poor poor Kimi. Um So that allows Rosberg to get up into second with Ricardo third, um, and Lewis in uh, I think it's sixth or something. He comes out once he. Or does no, he, he was oh, down to 13th after the was, drive-thru. Yeah, he came out 6th after the damage, and then he goes to the drive-thru and comes he, out. A couple of other people got penalties as well, which we'll come to, because it's highly amusing. Um, so he got a couple of people sort of disappeared from in front of him, from him, in front of him without him having to actually overtake them, which I think helped a little bit. Um, and obviously, because he's pitted, he's allowed to put on a new set of tyres, so he's so he's quick. You know, yeah. he's, he's got loads of pace, so he's going he's gonna to pick off you know, your Force Indias and the likes fairly fairly easily, but if the final incident, which we'll come to, doesn't happen, Rosberg's even if he doesn't catch Vettel, is looking at somehow given everything that's happened this season, going into the summer break in the lead of the championship. Because I think Lewis was due to take about three or four points. Rosberg was due to take about eighteen and uh, and somehow Rosberg would leave the leave Hungary into the summer break, top of the league, even though it's been or, or, or on the face of it, it looks like it's been all Lewis all season. But, of course, it didn't quite work out that way because like this race needed any more incidents, we had another one. And like you said, it was that man, Daniel Ricciardo, that just seemed to be a magnet <laughs> at times. And what did you make of that one then? Because uh, that was... Because could, uh, I could see an argument both sides again on that one. So. Well, I think, uh, you know, my initial thing was um, that it was... Ricardo's fault but but when you look back on it it's just that Rosberg is is stupid he's stupid and takes the line um and at the end of the day if if he was Alain Prost uh the professor you know thinking what what's more important that I defend this position and cut in front of him and stop him getting in front of me or I'm not going to, you know, uh, likely it is I'm not going to catch first at this point because he was because Vettel was pulling away by this point. It wasn't that um, he was going to catch Vettel at that uh, at that stage. Only Daniel Ricciardo really had a, ch- a chance of doing that. Um, I'll take the third, knowing that Lewis is somewhere fairly far down the thing, and close that get right right up. You don't take the risk of cutting mm-hmm. in front of somebody that you know 
was locking up and out of control and probably can't do anything to to get out of your way you know if you're going to do that it wasn't it just was just pointless um although ironically it very much reminded me of the nico uh and lewis incident from spa which yeah. i thought was the same sort of thing really yeah. in that nico was there you know lewis probably could have thought about not cutting in front of him there and they did and you know well there you go um Nico got I think too much uh, of the blame for that and I think it would have been the same here with with Daniel really you've got to look at the person who's covering to take the line that you know if you did that in your car if you were filtering lanes driving down the motorway and you clipped the front of the car yeah, in the inside right. lane You'd it would be, be your fault yeah, yeah, <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean I mean yeah I nobody's gonna that. say oh well how dare that car exist <laughs> where, where <laughs> you wanted to be um True, true. So uh, that that was kind of my take on I think it. it. I, I think I, because Ricardo was the one being ballsy and trying to make the pass, he was the one coming from quite far, mm. came from quite far back to try and make the move. I think that's why initially it kind of looked like Ricardo's fault because he's come from so far back to try and make a move, and the guy who's defending the position has, has come off with it with it with a damage. Worse, yeah. It, it uh, does, uh, uh, to, you automatically first thing do, to make you think you? that guy from behind. What's he doing? He's steaming in and up the inside. He's and hit the guy in second. But like you say, if you actually sit and think about it, you can you can understand why. Like, yes, Rosberg's been stupid, as you <laughs> said. Like yeah, because he, he could have just. We've seen a few incidents that over the year where just just the just a centimeter tuck tuck towards the center of the track and you're fine. You know, you're not gonna get. You're not going to get overtaken. No, by, by tucking a car in, and he wasn't going to, to was he? Right. Because yeah. he, he'd locked no. up really hard and was yeah. going slightly so offline. Just, just be sensible, you know. He didn't need to go that wide, you know, to defend a defend a position. No, so. um, but the man in front never seen any of that because he, like you said, he just dominated from start to finish. Never, never seen another car really, and uh, and won his second Grand Prix for Ferrari, which was of course Sebastian Vettel. So. Congratulations to him. Very, very pleased as a Ferrari fan with that. Yeah, masterful uh, race, really. He, yeah. he, uh, the thing I was impressed about about this drive, and it's something he has done in the Red Bull before, and I think we have given him credit for, was that there were times when the cars behind were probably a bit quicker, and he could have responded there and then and tried to maintain a gap throughout the whole race, but there was clearly a point where Nico was actually faster than he was in catching up with him and he didn't let that phase him he didn't get out of his rhythm he didn't roast the tires in an attempt to stay ahead of mercedes he just allowed himself to be reeled in slow enough that it wasn't affecting him and as it turned out by the time that everybody got got through to everything you, you know nico's tires weren't in a in a fit state to um, go back at him and he started to eke out again. The, the fact that all the stuff went off behind him and it made it easier for him in the end. But... It's kind of exactly the opposite of what Williams did in, yes. in, in, in Silverstone. <laughs> <laughs> the complete opposite of how Williams react when they go, oh, oh, are we in front of the Mercedes? Oh no, what do we do? What do we do? Whereas Vettel, from all of experience of Red Bull being from the front and of team like Ferrari, I've just gone, hold on, we'll just drive our own race, we'll manage our own gaps. You know, we know what our pace is, we know what we need to target lap time etc we know our strategy let's just let's, let's commit to it and if we're good enough we're good enough and yep. that's what they did and yep. obviously incidents behind you know who knows what would have happened but to be honest it didn't look like they were ever in any doubt from as soon as they went off the start line and got into the front and no. never looked like like it never looked like even when Rosberg was behind them and even when Hamilton was you know not in the wars and had it never looked like he had 
serious pace to to really trouble the Ferrari, which is very interesting because where's that pace been all season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, is it going to be there in Spa? Like, well, and yeah. this is the thing is that I think you've got to think of this as last year and just replace Sebastian Vettel with Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel mm-hmm. Ricciardo picked up three race victories. Though. Was it three? Yeah, yeah it was. Three, three race yeah. victories that yeah. season. Yeah, three. Uh, and was the closest person to challenging a Red Bull. Uh, challenging a Mercedes, sorry. Yeah. And at the end of the day, he still ended up quite a distant third. Yeah. And, and, and like you say, Sebastian's just doing the same. Doing this year, he's picked up two Grand Prix. He might pick up one more before the end of the season. But, Probably uh, going to be third again. Last season, Europe wasn't a happy hunting ground for Mercedes, particularly. You know, um, they, they didn't maximise it in. But as soon as they went to do the other flyaway races, the strengths of that car just yeah. you know resurfaced, and it was quite clear. The know. rubbish races. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, all yeah. tied in with you know being playing to the strength of, of the yeah. Mercedes car. So, uh, you know. Spa probably won't be good for, for for Ferrari. The engine still isn't probably where it needs to be, although I think they're refining other parts of the car, improving the handling, which I think is what's giving them um, the gains that they're seeing now. Especially with a guy like Seb at the wheel. You know how he likes he likes a, a exacting. A glued, He's a glued an exacting car, you know? sort of driver. So they're, they're obviously clearly building the, this guy's going to be in their car for the next five to ten years. So they're mm-hmm. building the... And that makes sense. So hopefully, yeah, we'll continue to see some gains. I agree with you. The engine isn't where it needs to be. And it probably isn't going to be until 2018 at this rate. But, yeah, I mean, progress is progress, however small it is. You're listening to The Last Lap Podcast. F1 for fans by fans. Speaking of progress, uh, Danny Kvyat. Oh, yes. Very good. Very, very, very good. How, how, so, I, I forget. How did he get past Ricardo? Because <laughs> because Ricardo um, damaged his front wing with Rosberg, so he had to pit and ended up behind. Oh, did he pit? Yeah, right. Okay. I, I remember obviously Nico punctured, but I couldn't remember if Danny needed to. Danny needed to pit as well. So yeah. So 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 Fiat gets into into second. He does, uh, and it's a Red Bull two and three. Which is easily their best result of the season. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, probably will be the best result of the season. Probably won't. I don't see them winning a race unless the two Ferraris and the two Mercedes don't finish. So that's pretty unlikely. So they're not going to better this result. And to be honest about with Fiat, I don't really remember that much about his race, other than that he profited from everybody else's complete insanity. Well, he I just think seems he, to have gone much... about a very steady drive. And everybody else around him is losing their heads, and he's found himself in second. He had a he, yeah. He kind of pretty much self kept himself out of um, out of trouble. Though he did, I think he did get a penalty, didn't he? Um, oh no, no, that was it. Remember, very early on, um, he was saying he had real bad problems with vibration in his car, and he said it was undrivable. Um, it sounded his voice sounded like he was bounced up and down on a washing <laughs> machine, um, which I'm sure at the start of the season he probably felt would have been faster than a Red Bull. Uh, but um, yeah, I think he just what he did was just be fast uh, and and keep his nose clean. So like you say, that Red Bull is going to be pretty decent around Hungary because it's the type of track that will sit it. So when you think about it, you should have the third best car there, and you know Raikkonen's failed. 
Rosberg and Hamilton have got themselves into incidents and Ricardo's got himself into incidents. So I don't want to take anything away from his drive, but like, because it's obviously his best result of his career and very well done to him. But he has, when you take that into account, kind of ended up where it should be. But yeah, great, great drive to keep himself out of all the trouble because that's not easy. Just ask Felipe Massa. So, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, well done. Very, very good. And still just a baby. Still, what, 21? So. Yeah. And, and and this isn't an isolated incident. I think he's been driving really well just he's, the last couple of months. Eh? Yeah, I definitely yeah, think he has. It, obviously, he's moved into the, the team that's just won the World Championship five times in a row before Mercedes dominance. So it's gonna it's a big move for him, so young in his career. And he's uh, he's, he's, he's just taken his time to find his feet the first first month or two of the season. But I definitely feel like he's, he's growing into that role. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I've been very impressed with him. Um, and I was impressed with with Daniel's performance. This, you know, this race. I think a lot of the trouble he got into were were not really his fault. They were racing incidents, and I, I guess you could say that was um, probably true. Most of them, I think, the Hamilton one probably was Hamilton's fault. Um, all in all, um, the incident he had at Bottas with, at the start. Um, well, it's a you know, it's the the start melee kind of thing. These things these things happen and the uh, the uh, Rosberg one well yeah I, I think we've covered that that was that was fairly you know fairly squarely probably pointed at Nico for for cutting across him really um and it just it does make you think that if the the pace he reeled in Rosberg um do you think he could have caught Seb without yeah. without the incident it's uh, you know the change of different the different tires different tires I think every chance. Uh, but if 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 Kvyat finishes fifteen seconds behind Vettel, and Ricardo was ahead of him, he must have been closer. You know, he must have been mm-hmm. really. really he, he must have have had a shot within. You know. But whether he would pass him when he got there, difficult track to pass. Now he might have burnt his tires out trying True. to get the gap. So, and Seb's not going to. You know, really say he's managing the race really well. He knows what the gap is. He probably could have turned it up had he needed to. You know, yeah, you you easy. just don't know, but it, so, it, yeah, Everson butts, but it would have been close, definitely. Yeah, and I think that's worth worth remembering. Um, uh, just, Max Verstappen. I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, the, another baby with another excellent performance. Again, another one who seemed to keep a bit of trouble and just let the uh, let the guys around them. Well, he did get a penalty. Um, he did get a drive through for speeding behind the safety car. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. That's that's that's. I mean, how old is he? 18 that's oh yeah that's just an experience isn't it that's just you know yeah silliness silliness not, not getting on the um uh on the brake pedal quick enough but oh, there you go um so so that's quite impressive really that he got a drive through and still managed to yep, hold absolutely. on to fourth um and uh who, who's that in fifth i see i don't know <laughs> who is that in fifth sean <laughs> it is a two-time world champion who happens to be driving arguably the worst McLaren <laughs> in history of Formula One. Yes. And he's dragged it, kicking and screaming, to fifth to place. To fifth place. So well done, Fernando Alonso. He's Round back, he's back to where he was before in the Ferrari, dragging it to fifth place. Yep. That's it. After everything that's happened, he's exactly where he should be. <laughs> and it's worth remembering that um, Alonso had to take an extra pit stop as well. Because um, he got a puncture. Did so, it under, was that because of the debris after the I think, I think it was, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, 
it's just such a mad race that he's able to get a puncture and still drag the McLaren to fifth. It tells you what's going on around them, you know, the Hamilton and Rosberg. Ahead <laughs> of both Mercedes, yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, what? It's just craziness, isn't it? Then then uh, Lewis comes in sixth, uh, with Rosberg finally up in eighth. So somehow Lewis has gained, after driving probably the worst race in his modern career the last couple of years, certainly since he moved to Mercedes, he's made at least two mistakes that have yep. cost him valuable time and places. He somehow managed to get out there with increasing his championship lead. It's like I was saying to you, you know, as much as I'm delighted that Sebastian won, I would still prefer Nico to win the world title out of Lewis. So I was delighted that Seb won, but I came away thinking, God, how on earth has Lewis managed to increase his lead after all of that? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> but he still he managed it. And, you know, that's, that's, why, that's why it's a Formula One world championship, you know. It's not always about winning races. It's about when getting the points when you've had a bad race and, and yeah. Lewis, Lewis got it, so fair play. Yeah, uh, it was definitely his rainy day in Stoke today, wasn't it? Yeah, he managed, he, you know, I, he won't, Nico must be kicking himself because he's not going to get an opportunity like that again. No, not to not to make the for Nico For Nico to, to, to take points at Lewis towards the end of the season, he's probably going to have to win the race and Lewis will probably come second and that's how Nico will gain anything from him. He's not going to get an opportunity to take five or six positions out of Hamilton. No. That's probably a once-in-a-season opportunity, and, and Nico's not, not managed to capitalise. Like we say, on balance, probably his fault. Uh, and, he, and and that's how it goes. And he finished ended up finishing two point two positions behind him, and I don't know how many points that is, about four points or something. So mm. so he's lost a couple of points. Splitting them was, uh, was Roman in seventh. I don't really remember a lot about Roman's race. Uh, no, I think he had a couple of tangles in the midfield. Uh, it didn't seem like a particularly good race, race for the Lotus. Um, they weren't really doing the overtaking. I think that they just happened to be... Okay, that, hang on a minute, let's, let's rephrase that. One of them happened to be <laughs> in the place to not really get involved in too much so that when it all went down, he ended up in a, a fairly reasonable place. Um I cannot wait to talk about Maldonado. <laughs> no, I'm I'm holding on to that just because I'm bursting just with excitement. Amazing. Um, so yeah, um, Nico in eighth, and then Jensen Button um, making double points finish. Double McLaren. points finish for McLaren, which I, I think. Speed. I, I think at the end of the day, you just got to look at it and just go. Do you know what? That's all we needed. We needed yeah. both cars to get points, and then whatever you can say is. Um, They'll end up having a better season than Sauber and yeah. Manor and, you know, maybe... Are they ahead of Sauber in the World Championship? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I'll have to double-check on that one. I tell you what, let's, let's take a look right now. It's got it in front of me now. Though. Have you? Go on, then. Let me know. So... Jensen and Marcus Ericsson both have the same amount of points <laughs> on six. Fernando has 11, but top of that particular mini battle is Felipe Naza, otherwise known as Fred, uh, with 16 points. So if you took those four and gave them a, a wee mini championship between the four of them, it's currently uh, Fred Naza at the top with 16 What's points. What's the construction? Not, not an awful lot in it. Uh, a couple of points to Sauber probably at the moment, I would guess. Be five points to Sauber. Five, okay. At Sauber are five points clear of the Maccas. Uh, and the only team below McLaren are uh, our manor. Yeah, mm. so. so, you know. Uh, but if that, they get some form after the winter, 
They're really not that far behind Force India Lotus and Toro Rosso. To I don't honest. think they are. I really it's don't not think a, they are. There's not a lot in it. You know, if they strength they get a wee bit of improvement, strength together some reliability, because that's been their biggest problem more than anything, really. Uh yeah, a couple of more points finishes and they'll be right in there. And they could easily finish by the end of the season, they could easily finish fifth behind Red Bull, Williams, Ferrari, Mercedes. Easily if they you know, if it all goes to plan. Yeah. The vague news reports are saying that, that Honda are looking to um, to to really um, put the horsepower now back into the engine. They feel that they've gotten a handle on what the reliability issues were, so now that they can they can do some more performance stuff and, and put the performance back in the engine. So it could be timely for for Spa, where you know ultimately yeah. <laughs> they were really would have really suffered for for having a uh, you know be Danny be down as much as they are on power. So uh, I, I guess we will wait and see whether it's a turning point in the season, whether it was the peak of the season, which would be pretty bad, but could be. Um, or, you know, I mean, the, their qualifying improvements make you think that that car is just going and going and going. It's getting better and better and better. And they went from, you know, out in Q3, let's not even think about it, to, you know, we're, you know, we're now disappointed if we, if we lose a car, uh, you know, in Q1. Um, sorry, I got the wrong way around. But yeah, so they were going out in Q1 and nobody was surprised. Now now people are a little bit surprised if the McLaren's the one car that goes out in um, Q1. Uh, and they kind of are expected to get to Q2 and occasionally thinking about maybe knocking on the door of Q1 if, if, if the things go right. So that evolution, I think, you know, it's not translated into race wins because, you know, a getting a car to go fast over one lap comparatively easier than making it consistently fast over 70 odd laps um, but the, the signs are there that, that they could be turning a corner of sorts um, whether that's a 90 degree corner or a, a, you know, <laughs> a little one I don't know but we'll, we'll wait yeah. and see I, I, I am cautiously optimistic that um, I think you have to be don't you? I mean, there's no point in getting down about it, it is what it is but that I don't think I've seen that car go backwards in terms of development. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They've had bad races and, you know, um, uh, double DNFs and things like that. But the ones recently have kind of not been their fault. They've, the cars have been taken out rather than the cars breaking down. So, um, it, you know, it wasn't like Monaco where the cars just all went, <laughs> just stop. Um, so I, I think that's got that's got the signs of a, a little bit of a revival over it. Uh, good result for Marcus Ericsson finishing in in tenth place. One yeah. that he really pretty much needed. Um, out, out, out beat his teammate uh, Fred. NASA Michael. had a problem though as well, didn't he? I'm Did sure he? NASA had to come into the pits for something as well. Um, and what about uh, what about twelfth and thirteenth? Very curious race for two of the guys who you certainly wouldn't expect to be in those positions uh, in the form of the twelfth and thirteenth. The two Williamses, twelfth and thirteenth. Twelfth and fourteenth. Yeah. I've got 13th here. Oh, I've got 12th and 14th. Yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, <laughs> Maldonado in 14th. Does yours take into account that Maldonado get a post-race penalty or anything like that? Oh, uh, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, that, was the, yeah, that was the final, final thing. What are you using for the results? Okay. I'm yeah. on BBC, so I don't know what you've got. But yeah, uh, I was uh, Planet for one. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, the point of the matter is, regardless whether it was 2030 or 2040, is what on earth happened to the Williamses? Why were they so slow? Why were they so down? Uh, well, it, I, I mean, it's a track that isn't going to suit their car, but... It 
That still it seems started un- badly, un- didn't it? Unacceptable. Really, quite, quite literally started um, badly with um, Massa pulling up short in his pit box. Um, really, you know, that's just a that's such a schoolboy kind of error. I can only I want to give Felipe the um, the benefit of the whole Jules Bianchi tribute thing, and you know how closely he's been involved in that whole thing um mm-hmm. uh, that affecting him because <sighs> other than that i don't know how much of a how many other you know you know he had the the little trade of tires with lewis but i don't really remember him having any other incidents in the race to say you know this is why you ended up here. I, I don't really. B- Bottas had a couple of incidents, and I can kind of understand why his race was completely ruined. Um, but I don't remember if anything really affected Massa particularly. Um, yeah, like you say, maybe just head wasn't in the game. Or... I'd like to think that. Well, I don't not like to think that, but it 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 feels more reasonable that that was the. Um, that was the reason for it. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. It was just a terrible race, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? If <laughs> maybe every... just maybe just the car didn't suit them with a combination of that and a couple of other things. Yeah, like I say, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. You know, looking through the you know the report of the race and stuff, it is kind of hard to pinpoint. One thing, they just weren't good this weekend, you know. No, um, and the uh, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say maybe it's the curse of uh, for Valtteri that as soon as you get linked to a Ferrari <laughs> seat like Sebastian did last season, you have a bad one. So he's now been linked with that with Raikkonen's yeah. race seat. So Finn for Finn, <laughs> yeah. Hey. And uh, and the uh, the last of the unlapped cars only the, because of the craziness only the two manners ended up lapped. Last driver on the lead lap was uh, Pastor Maldonado. What do you have to say about him? Um, <laughs> I love that man. I think um, this is my favourite thing that has ever happened. Uh, <laughs> I mean that like to, to anybody who doesn't who wasn't paying attention to Maldonado, and we could definitely forgive that. Explain what Maldonado did this weekend. It was so noteworthy. So, um, he started off the race by deciding he would crash into Sergio Perez <laughs> for no real apparent reason. Um, it was the most retarded incident <laughs> I've practically ever seen in Formula One. It, other than, yeah, yeah, Max Verstappen crashing into Gro- Roman Grosjean was one. But this was just so... It's like it, it was almost like the move was happening and he sort of just went, Jesus, take the wheel! <laughs> just see let's see what what happens if i remove my hands from the steering wheel maybe everything will work out fine oh no it hasn't oh well uh <laughs> so he got a penalty for that he then got a penalty for speeding in the pit lane which is just another such rookie <laughs> it's like you could forgive that maybe like a max verstappen etc but yeah like just uh, it's, a, it's a, like Brando always says in commentary. It's a slam dunk that one. You've there's, you've done you wouldn't it. investigate if you didn't do it. You know you've done that. You shouldn't have done that. You know. Um, uh. And then his third penalty. His third penalty. That's a full house. I think Brando said on commentary. Speeding behind the safety car. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. 
<laughs> you couldn't uh, you couldn't make it up. Like say if you wrote a sketch show, you and 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 like it's it's worse than that. Like honestly, it's worse. Than, he's a he's a comedy character <laughs> in an actual serious sport. Like you know. <laughs> well, the initial report was that, that I saw was that after getting done for speeding the pit lane and getting his um uh was it a drive through for speeding in the pit lane was that the third one was for speeding in the pit lane during his drive through <laughs> which would have been the best slam dunk you could have possibly made really wouldn't it, it uh, <laughs> getting a penalty while serving a penalty is like <laughs> what well, like you've got the drinking games don't you that you do with programs so do you know what i mean if Vettel puts his finger up in the in the yeah, air, take, take a, a shot. shot, and all those things. If Maldonado gets a penalty while serving a penalty, finish your drink. Is there? <laughs> I love it because all the headlines on the F1 sites where Maldonado scores hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has topped that. That has to be. It was the record, overtaking it? under the safety car. I think was his third one. Not not speeding. Under was the... it? Although I guess to overtake you have to be speeding, so I guess it's all kind of under the same banner. But apparently it was. Uh, I, I've got I've got a wee checklist here, and it's under the headline Maldonado's Grand. I don't even know how, is it Grand Clem, C H E L E M, collision tick, speeding in the pits tick, overtaking behind the safety car tick. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, he also received two penalty points on his license and put him on six, which is halfway towards a race ban. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till Maldonado has to serve a one match ban. <laughs> oh, you he's just too, he, You couldn't make it up, could you, really? It's like that picture the picture that was on the Facebook page was just as excellent as well. Let <laughs> Lotus should be given a ten grid penalty for unsafe release every time they let Maldonado leave the garage. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. Like I've, I used to, I think I used to hate Maldonado. Now I never want him to leave. Like I want him to keep getting a seat just because he's too funny. Like when there's a boring race, you know Maldonado yes. will be there to brighten up your day by yes. doing a backflip or something. <laughs> It's a bit like a bit like Montoya was, wasn't it? It, it, yeah. it kind of didn't, you know, it didn't matter whether he was in first or in fifth. You could fairly guarantee he'd probably end up in the middle of something or other. Um, that man won a Grand Prix. Yes, <laughs> he was the future of F one. Enna Williams when it was <laughs> bad. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. That seems to have just kind of gone under the radar. But yes, yeah, so that was. I mean, like it was a very, very good Grand Prix. And when uh, and when I read that about Maldonado after it, I thought, oh, that's just that's the icing on the cake. I love that. It's a brilliant story. But even without that, very good Grand Prix. Probably the best of the year so far, I would say. Maybe yeah. Then. You're listening to the Last Lap Podcast, the home of F1 banter, with Andy and Sean at www.lastlappodcast.co.uk. Oh, other noteworthy thing was, um, uh, other than that both Force Indias retired in the end, was uh, Force India pitting Sergio Perez to swap his nose, despite there being no obvious damage to the nose, which I've never, ever seen happen in a Formula One race, where they've speculatively that, changed yeah, the part that of the a, car. Was that a, a, that must have been a response to the Hulkenberg incident. Yeah. Really, yeah. But it was just so bizarre to see a car come in and change a nose. And there'd be absolutely nothing wrong with it whatsoever. They just changed it on spec. Just yeah, because that's a that's a thirty second or that really. That's eighteen seconds driving down the line and ten to twelve seconds standing still. So, 
Yeah, that's it's a big chunk of time you're losing there. But you know, you'd rather that than put it in the barrier, I suppose. Well, I mean, there's 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 probably nothing really worse, is there, for a Formula One driver that to, than to get the uh, nosier car stuck underneath the front oh, tires. Oh yeah, the way you just the way you no brakes, no steering, into the, skied into the arrive the at the scene of the accident post haste. And and that you know, if you're lucky, you you'll kick the tire wall, but you could easily end up hitting another car, which would make it even worse, you know. So that was that. Lewis goes into the summer break leading the championship somehow. Yes. Uh, and on balance, probably fair, given how he's, he's probably had the edge of Nico Rosberg for most of enough Enough of this first half of the season to justify having a 20-point lead going into the break. Uh, Vettel is only a further 20 points back from Rosberg. So Vettel's the same distance behind Rosberg as Rosberg is Hamilton. So he's not totally out of it, but, you know, let's be honest, Mercedes title to lose. Yeah, uh, it, I don't I don't think that has changed um, at all. Um, uh, well, you know, we speculate too much sometimes, I think. Sometimes we think things are one way and they're not, but it's really difficult to see past it really returning back to uh, Mercedes door, despite the changes that they've made. Um, I think really some of the changes we'll only see if we start seeing more failures on the cars because they can't coach the drivers so much. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Which would be a good thing for me, in my opinion. Well, yeah. What this Grand Prix told me is that um, Formula One racing is better when the cars are more equal, and that that you know that's what it is when the the cars are closer together in performance. F one is great. The problem is, is how do you maintain a state where the cars are of a fairly similar nature without making it a a closed. A closed formula. Yeah, you might as well just have one guy design the car and give them all out to the drivers at the start of the year. And that's not that's not what we want. But no. yeah, I, I completely agree with you that we want close competition between the teams. Because it was <laughs> but, great. And but to our point, you know, we, we want a kick in either, essentially. Well, yeah, but, you know, Vettel won and I was really happy. And mm. if you think about that, I'm, you know... I'm a McLaren fan who's just cheered for Sebastian Vettel winning in a Ferrari. Yeah. If Sebastian that's happening, Bell then something something good is happening too. in Formula One. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If if you're people are looking at it and going, it's really good to see this kind of this kind of race, then that sets your standard, doesn't it? If that that's the kind of racing that people will tune in to see, it's the kind of racing that people will turn up to the venues and see, and that's what will keep Formula One ticking over. It, you know. However much Bernie thinks Lewis Hamilton is great for Formula One, celebrity appearances on the red carpet are not going to keep Formula One, you know, the the top of motorsport. No, definitely not. Races like this will, if we can have them regularly. The yeah, I agree. Not even all the um, time. I will accept that there sometimes have to be races where chances are things aren't going to be great. I'm quite happy to live with a Singapore on the calendar <laughs> because it's a night race and it looks kind of cool, but we kind of accept that it's not going to be a great race. And I could live with a race in the desert. Do you know what I mean? I could live with an Abu Dhabi. I could live without a Bahrain, but 
you know, and Abu Dhabi night race through the you know Yaz Marina and all the bits and pieces with all the lights and stuff. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. I can I can I can live with that. I can't understand why Formula One has to go to Azerbaijan and Russia and have okay Azerbaijan. We don't know how bad it's going to be, but I don't think it's going to be great. And you know Russia is awful. It's a completely flat track around the outside of a building. What's the point? No, I agree. And Bahrain, obviously, is the, that's like the poster child for bad Grand Prix, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So, uh, I completely agree. The, well, but the positive thing is at least we've still got Spa and Monza coming up in the next month or so. So, like you say, uh, there are... I'm, I'm with you here, you know, I can accept the odd the odd one if we get the odd one that is like we've had this weekend. So, yeah, like I say, no complaining, reasons to be positive. Yes. Post-Hungary. Post Yes, absolutely. Especially looking into Spa, you know, because we should be we should be almost guaranteed a good one there. Usually, hope it hope it rains a little bit. Love, yes. a, little, love a bit of rain about around Spa. Love Giancarlo Fisichella putting the force in there on the front row. <laughs> Brilliant weekend that was. So yeah, I'm happy for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm quietly satisfied, and I think that's um, you know. I think sometimes when we've been recording these podcasts, sometimes we've wanted to get them done very soon after the race because there's so little to talk about and so little to discuss other than complain about how bad the races have been that you want to get them un- almost done and dusted. It, 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 it you know makes doing the podcast almost a chore because you have to talk, you have to find things to talk about. You have to expand on things that are tiny and minute and don't feel important. Whereas this one, it was hard enough to keep up with what was going on. Um, but the, yeah, exactly, and, and the feeling that happened, um, the the feeling that I got afterwards was that I'm actually quite, I'm quite fine with this big break now until Spa. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, and I think before it, it's kind of been, um, it's been like, oh, let's go to the next race just so that, um so we get a good race you know let, let let the next race be good instead of this one that we've just watched and i don't want to talk about so you know um i am left aglow so to speak <laughs> yep i've got a really busy august as well so i'm quite happy that there's not much going on so, um, <laughs> so, I, can, so I can just chill uh but yeah uh yeah i agree with you more or less what you're saying there uh, so i think that takes us to the end of reviewing Hungary. So let's uh, see what's going on in the Formula One news. The Final Lap Podcast News. And, well, I don't know where to start. There's actually quite a lot of stuff going on for. The, the one that I'm interested in, and uh, it's because we love discussing driver lineups and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Is not who's going to take Kimi Raikkonen's seat. It's but who's, who's going to take Valtteri Bottas's seat at Williams. No, no. Ah, okay. It's who is going to be in the Haas team. Ah, next okay. I honestly don't know. I don't even know who's linked. I haven't seen much of the stories regarding that. So, okay. so you can the... enlighten me as well as everybody else. Uh-huh. What's the uh, what's the linkage there? What's what's the stories? Okay, so the first one is not massively surprising. Um, realistically, but it's Esteban Gutierrez. Ah, okay. Uh, not that doesn't. 
it doesn't fill, fill me with um, excitement. Uh, I think Gutierrez was mediocre, probably at best. Uh, and I think a new team like Haas, uh, I don't know, I'd prefer, if I was managing a team, I'd want someone more experienced. Of course, the other driver might be more experienced. But I assume he comes with a barrel of the sponsorship from just down the road. So I assume that's where it's coming from. And the fact that he's a Ferrari reserve driver and obviously Haas have the technological partnership with Ferrari. And Haas are what? Where are they coming from? Is it Texas or something? Are they based Uh, on? I think so. And Mexico is just, you know, two minutes (laughs) minutes down the road. What are you saying, Sean? Are you saying that Haas are picking their drivers based on who's likely to be able to skip across the border and get them some tequila? Or uh, I'm suggesting that uh, Haas are putting him in the car in the same way that a British team would look to put in a young British guy in the car. No <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um, also linked is Jean-Éric Vigny. Again, another Ferrari boy in it, so you can understand that, I guess, I'm sure. Is he's, he? test- he's testing for Ferrari now, I'm sure, Jeff, yeah. Sure, John Eric Vance testing for Ferrari. Yeah. Okay. Current test driver. Yep. Uh, and third, Nico Hulkenberg. Now that would be a left field one. That would be the equivalent of like when Glock and that went to the new teams. Remember Glock and Heike and Trilly all went to the to the to the now defunct uh, Caterham and. Uh, what was Virgin F1 and it just totally didn't work out for them. Mm-hmm. So that would be a massive gamble by Hulkenberg. But at the same time, it's, it's kind of like McLaren switching to the Honda engine. Is it a gamble worth taking? Because if he just stays where he is, he's never really going to go anywhere. So what do you reckon? Um, <coughs> I can't see Hulkenberg going down to Haas. I just can't see it. No, I, I mean, I agree. But uh, I think he'll probably end up in the Force India next season, which I think is a bit of a shame for him because I think he deserves a better drive. But the, the spots aren't going to open up for him, I don't think. Um, maybe depends, but I don't. Doesn't feel like it's going to. Gutierrez makes sense. Jev, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of get the feeling that maybe, maybe not. I think is the mm-hmm. is my feeling there. I don't. It is so so season in. Um, Formula E he's test driver not reserve driver I just I expect to see Gutierrez and then somebody else would make sense to me Yeah, either some American driver we've never heard of or um, Jack Villeneuve well not hopefully (laughs) not noise me to the nth degree but um, but I'm kind of thinking like a Kobayashi or a Heidfeld or a Kovaline or somebody Somebody hanging around there that they've gone, you know. Bit of experience. Yeah, somebody who's going to give them some help in, in developing the car, potentially. Um, but who doesn't have a race seat at the moment. And those are the kind of, well, Kirby actually probably not. But I think Heifeld, certainly in, in Kovalainen, and could, could do that. Maybe a return for Nelson Piquet after his uh, Formula E championship winning season. Could well, be. But- Pay one Pablo Montoya or whatever he wants to come back. Well, I don't know. Montoya does seem to be having all the funny needs to driving around in circles. I'm turning left. <laughs> um, I want Montoya's personality back more than his driving style. Yeah, when he he he's commenting on me, he's t- he's ended up being a bit like a Jacques Villeneuve in that 
Like, <laughs> yeah, you had a couple of good seasons, mate, but do you know what I mean? Don't don't kid yourself that you you're the be all or the end all, and your opinion is particularly magnificently relevant. You know, let's uh, let's be realistic, shall we? Um, so uh, I'd I'd live without Juan Pablo. Um, it's been nine years since Montoya was in F one. Where's the time gone? Nine years. But yeah, no, I can agree with you. I can see, uh, I can see Gutierrez doing it. I hadn't thought of that name, but now that you've mentioned it, and we've discussed the reasons for it. Then, yep. And just yeah, with Jeff being a Ferrari guy these days, uh, maybe. What about Danica Patrick? Was her name not made? Uh, it was. I can't see it happening. To be honest with you, um, she's made a name. So for so long now, I think in, um in a, the stock car kind of series I can't see her and she wasn't massively great in open wheel to be entirely honest with you she was okay um, I just yeah I just don't see it really to be entirely honest with you um, gets got speed back maybe I don't know yeah um, probably of equivalent ability but yeah um... I think you know the other person that really I, I guess he could think about maybe would be um oh what's his name uh alexander rossi yeah was he still in gp2 or is he, he is yeah um it would be the obvious fit really wouldn't it there could be anybody at this stage really yeah mm. yeah rossi makes sense being the american really in the in the second formula so um if they're going to go down that route, I guess um, that's yeah. And what about up towards the uh, business end of the grid? What do you reckon is going to happen there then? Because there's a lot of talk about Button and about Williams, about McLaren, about Hulkenberg. Yeah. Um, well, the, the Button to Williams one has really kind of subsided. I haven't really heard very much about that. Um, I'd I'd quite like to see it, you know, just just because it, I think it'd be like he started his career there, and if he finished his career there, I'd, I just think that would be a little bit, you know, nice. But uh, I think I think he should probably stay. At, uh, I think if I was McLaren, if I was Ron Dennis, I'd probably I'd keep button around for another season, certainly. Yeah, I I think the thing is is that really if if Massa was thinking of going or they wanted to get rid of Massa I could understand getting Button in because I'd rather have Button than Felipe I think mm-hmm. yeah I kind of agree with that yeah. but I can't really see Massa and Button as a duo you kind of want a bit of youth in there you need a half I, 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 I like, I like the, the you know the old man young man dynamic in teams I think is is good yeah you only need it like McLaren needed this season when you're trying to develop a car practically from scratch and you need all the experience you can get about you know what makes a car good and understanding the feel of a car to make it work kind of makes sense um it would make more sense to me to have massa and hulkenberg you know if if Mm -hmm. bottas goes to ferrari so Um, say kimi kimi goes then yeah and then you put bottas in the ferrari yep you put uh Hulkenberg and the Williams. Then you put Button and Alonso still in the McLaren. Mm-hmm. That leaves a hole at Force India for Van Dorn, Magnussen. Well, 
either of those would be sensible candidates, I think, for um, for Force India. Uh, could be that they get Alex Lynn from from Williams. He's doing mm. good things. Uh, I don't know. Van Dorn seems likely based on the fact that he will be he will be GP two champion. There's pretty much pretty much no real. I think nobody's really considering that that's not going to happen. He's just been so good. Um, it just depends whether I guess McLaren would rather have Kevin driving and then Stoffel as a reserve or whether they think it's better to get um, Stoffel some racing experience whilst, you know, Kevin is, is understudying the other two guys and then hoping that that all comes together at some point and uh, gives them a, a fresh young driver lineup. I, I don't know. Um, there's been lots of talk recently about what McLaren are going to do. There were reports that they were get, going to get rid of Button. Um, but that that all seems to have been vehemently denied. And I, I can't see them. I don't see the point in keeping Button for this year, having the season that they've got, they've had. And not keeping him again next no. year. No. If you're no. going to get rid of him, you get rid of him last year. You know, yes. at the end of last season, keep him, and don't just give him the pain, the brutal year to develop the car. Then you have to then give him the other year as well for me. Well, and I, I think 2016 is still going to be a development year to some extent. Yeah. So, and I think what you need to do is have uh, retain the two drivers who have helped develop your car to that point to help develop it beyond that point. Uh, you know, and then then maybe you can start thinking about it. But I think you need that two year development cycle to. Um, to to push the car where it's it's at a fine tuned degree that somebody else might be able to come in and and help fine tune it in different ways to to whoever you've um you've gotten rid of. So yeah, I, I kind of suspect it'll end up being as we said, and then, I, and then just someone in the Force India, yeah, one of two or three people, could probably somebody there. with some money, maybe. Yeah, you know, maybe whoever whoever doesn't go to Haas ends up in the yeah in there. Maybe yeah. Gutierrez ends up in there with whatever money he brings. I don't know. It's it's difficult to know. Um, if Haas did manage to, and it would be a coup, get Hulkenberg, then that would shake things up a little bit because then that would leave a hole further up. You know, you couldn't if if Haas managed to snag Hulkenberg and Bottas went to Ferrari, then that would leave a hole at Williams. Uh, yeah, at that point, I'm not. And that would be. Uh... I mean, you, you would suggest that Alex Lynn then comes in and takes that hold well, as, as if, their existing. Yeah, if they wanted to strap the rocket to him and, and give him, give him that that push, but you know that I don't know. I get the feeling Williams would. I'm not sure they would stick him straight in. And there's Julian Palmer hanging about at Lotus, isn't he, for GP2 champion? I wonder whether they'd consider that a better option. You know, having. Somebody who's done well in this season, um, in a more recent season, possibly. I don't know. Kimmy Gowen is gonna, you know, it's gonna. It should be a whole chain then, all the way down the grid, pretty much. You should get at least three moves out of that, shouldn't you? Yeah. Really. Um, if he somebody... goes, you know, I mean, I think he will go, but you never know. He might stay. Yeah, it just, just doesn't feel like it's working, does it? No, no. I mean, I've thought that for a while. So, and that's just coming from a guy who loves Kimmy Raikkonen, but yeah. I mean, I, I think he'll go. I think he will go. You're listening to The Last Lap Podcast.
Uh, other bits and bobs then. What about this button story? Oh, yeah, nasty business. Um, yeah, I've gassed apparently. Well, I've seen <laughs> other reports means. suggesting that that's that's a ridiculous media um, sensational contraption that nobody nobody floods a room full of anaesthetic gas to knock people out. It's just not the way it works, uh, which would kind of make sense. Um, apparently, it was three hundred grand's worth of stuff that was stolen, though. That's a lot of money for. A house burglary, isn't it? Three hundred k. Yeah, just just kicking about on your on your dressing gown table, you know. Three hundred grand worth of jewelry. It's scary stuff, isn't it? When they about, see him, the other half lives. Exactly. Luckily, he's all right, I think, and so is his wife. So that's the main thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know that is that is the main thing. Um, Jaime Alguasuari has had to put his racing career on hold. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, um, medical thing. What's it? What's wrong with? He fainted um, during one, or before one of the um, Formula E events, um, Moscow, I think, off the top of my head. Um, so they suspended his license, and the tests he's had so far have been inconclusive. So right. that's a bit, uh, bit weird, don't it? It Isn't is. He like a- isn't he like a DJ on the side? Well, I, I was just going to say he is. So I, I guess in the meantime, he will become the new David Guetta. But um, yeah, like I, I, I like Jaime, so that's a shame. I hope, yeah, I hope he, he recovers. He does good. Uh, does good commentary over the. Um, yeah, it seems like he's kind of got his head in the game. and stuff. I, I rather liked him. Um, there's, there's a trio of hilarious Lotus stories. I don't know if you've seen them. You you t- tell them. <laughs> tell them all. There's a trilogy of hilarious stories. The first one is this Bernie comes to Carmen Jordan's defense. So claiming that she has done a good job. Now, I don't know what Carmen what job from Lois. Exactly. I know what has she actually done other She's than looking excellent. Stood in the garage looking particularly attractive. Which and, she does very well. I, I, I just I love I love the idea of eighty five year old Bernie like seeing the pretty girl and immediately coming to her defence. Like, it's just classic. It's, it's classic cliche. You couldn't make it up. thought it was brilliant. The second one, which I thought was tremendous, was Lotus saying, we expect, quote-unquote, great things from Pastor Maldonado. <laughs> Surely they don't believe, not even they can believe that. They cannot possibly believe that. Having picked up just two points last year, Maldonado was hoping for a much better campaign but has failed to see the checkered flag in five of the first six races. We expect great things. <laughs> it's about as it's exactly the kind of thing you'd you'd hear coming out of Dixie Carter's mouth about TNA, isn't it? We yeah. expect great things of Impact Wrestling this it's year. Like, and the chief has said they're all errors made by him trying too hard. It's not a lack of concentration. He's trying to gain the last hundredth of a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I. And Alan, I mean, I'm expecting great things from him in the second half of the season. So, and that's brilliant. And then, slightly related, which I think is the, this is probably my favourite one. Uh, the lack of self-awareness is this is the is fun, phenomenal. Pastor Maldonado, lack of upgrades hampering. Lotus. <laughs> Do you know why uh, you've got no upgrades, Pastor? You keep on <laughs> knocking them off the goddamn car. It's just such a lack of self-awareness. It's unbelievable. It's my favourite thing. Again, like, like I said there, Maldonado is my favourite. <laughs> yeah. 
It's tremendous. Yeah, because that's the problem, Pasta. It's the lack of upgrades and not the fact that you haven't got into the finish line in like nine of the ten races this season. So yeah, thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, one other thing is that we've still got the rumbling on of Renault thinking about buying back into Formula One. Um, with with variously Toro Rosso, um, and or Lotus, uh, on the table as as teams they could take over. Uh, Lotus would say, there's, "There's clearly a link there between both those teams, isn't there?" From a Renault. Well, team. yeah. I mean, obviously Lotus is the uh, old Renault team. But then you got the the Red Bulls are so intertwined with Renault. Yeah. Um, I think it makes more sense if the Toro Rosso went. Um, I think that would be a shame because I think that they've really developed into their own little team, mm-hmm. slightly separate from the Red Bull image, and uh, I've kind of kind of liked that. I liked it when they had Gerard Berger on board. That was that was always yeah. more fun. Good old swear. Did you see heart. him and him and Berger and uh, who was it? It was Berger and who was he with? Oh, it was John Alesi. Yes. One of the Grand Prix, and they did say whoever interviewed them did say, "Are you going to be buying into a team or anything?" And I think they. Just said something like, "Well, we need we need to raise the money first. So, but there was a lot of rumours that they would get back involved, which would be great for you know, just just you know the fun personalities of F one to have those guys around. Yeah, absolutely. I I could almost see the Lotus one making much. They're having there's still lots of reports of money issues going on with them. So it would kind of make sense to see Lotus come in and finance the team, maybe keeping on the same people. Um, problem is Dennis would probably need to put a Renault engine in the back of it <laughs> that yeah and that rather takes away all of the gains that they've made by having the Merck engine in the back yeah. and that, that's the bit that kind of puts it off of my yeah. of my radar or something likely to happen I think they've just they've literally just switched to the Merck engine so that could cause, some, cause a bit of complications surely they have a contract with Merck now yeah you, you would have thought although, although generally I don't think these things are uh are all that watertight? I think if you want to get out of an engine contract, you can just say, "Yep, yeah, later." Yeah, I think I think that's probably true. Um, I think that's all I've got from the news. Is anything yeah. that you've spotted or? Um... Uh, no, not not particularly. Fernando Lewis. Uh, Fernando Lewis. Fernando Lewis. <laughs> that would be some driver. <laughs> uh, Lewis keen on MotoGP and NASCAR testing was the only other thing I've seen. Oh, I I saw something about him. Meeting Valentino Rossi. Yeah, he wants to he wants to have a little spin on the motorbikes, basically, because you know, <laughs> inside he's he's fifteen years old or whatever. You know, he, he dresses like a, a teenager, and he's obviously still got the mentality of him. <laughs> now, um, yeah, he, he says he when he was a kid he wanted to race motorbikes, so he'd love a shot. And then I think there was a response from Valentino in that about a week later or something saying, yeah, you can you can come and have a shot. So maybe we'll see that in the off season. Just as long as he doesn't do a Robert Kubica and crashes something and ends up, <laughs> yeah. ends up injured. Remove his hands or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'd like to see, do you know what I mean? The, the idea of seeing Formula 1 drivers doing other other motorsport, I think is interesting. I, I think... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'd like to see those kind of things, but, you know, it's... Uh, well, Valentino jumped in the Ferrari a little bit, didn't he, and had a little well, shot. He wanted to, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did a wee bit of a test, and he wasn't—he wasn't slow. He was actually pretty good. So, yeah, I think uh, Valentino and Jorge Lorenzo both said to Lewis that they were welcome. He was welcome down at their place. So that'd be good. You should do like a—that's the kind of thing you would get, at, like the Goodwood Festival or something. You know, like a super, 
sort of match up, you know, between two different formulas or something. Yeah, that would be kind of see, and that's that's what it should be. There needs to be kind of like a uh, Masters of Racing. Yeah, you could have like formula at Formula One events, or even at other other events. So some of the events take place at Formula One. Some of them happen on MotoGP. It would be brilliant. Can you imagine that if you if everybody got to take part on different, you know. You could even do like you know have one round where they're all on bikes and one round where they're all on F1. That's what I mean. One they round do where different. In, in one they do something. Rally cross and yeah. all of those kind of bits and pieces. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? That you. Yeah, you could get like Rossi, Lewis, Sebastian Loeb. You know, a specialist from each field, and yeah, that would be brilliant. But I get the feeling you're not know, likely to see it because you know, Formula One teams wouldn't want their prized assets doing anything that might potentially put their main role at, at jeopardy it seems, seems like the kind of thing that red tape would prevent in this sort of era oh which... i i remember the new story i wanted to cover right help me <laughs> which i thought was the uh the best thing is that sauber Better than the lotus ones <laughs> well it, it is it's more ironic than the lotus ones and it's that sauber have been the first team to nail down their drivers for the next year <laughs> oh, that like is that means but... anything <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, who is it? Is I it really <laughs> same as this year. But it's the exactly. So they've 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 reset Ericsson and and Nazar. I, I really I really hope. Um, That's tremendous. Guido van der Gaard sent sent a <laughs> bottle of champagne round to each of their houses, saying, "Well done. <laughs> sa- save this until you've actually had the first race of next season." <laughs> uh, again, uh, and have a drink on the, me. You know, the, the, the lack of self awareness has been tremendous. <laughs> Oh, I just I thought that was just so brilliant. Like of all of the teams to have come out and secured a driver lineup, apparently, until yeah. Sabo has spent all the money in the second half of the season, and they realise they need to send somebody else to get in more money. Hmm. <laughs> that is excellent. I do, I do like that story. Uh, and maybe the very, very last thing, very quickly, is that um, Pirelli want to test a super, super soft. Yeah, I did see that, and. <laughs> You know what? Why not? Eh? <laughs> It'll be a laugh. Stick it on in somewhere like Monaco, where you have really high, like you know, they stick a super soft in Monaco, and it still goes like forty laps. So why not? You know, like probably. I'd I'd like to see tracks like Monaco with more than just a one stop. Monaco's a seventy-one lap race, and they just do thirty-five laps, and then they stop, and then do like another thirty-five laps, and that's just kind of boring. So yeah. Yeah, I, I would be happy if the. I think what we said wasn't it that, that, that we thought that um, greater difference between the tyres yeah. was a good thing. So take a super super soft and a hard tyre, and you'd have like a four second difference or something. Yeah, between. absolutely. Yeah. I think that'd be much more fun, and then you have to actually make decisions really on on, on how it's going to go. Um, yeah, no, I mean, why not? You know, I just at this stage, I'm not thinking. I'm not going to work hurt my mind thinking about what Pereira are up to. I'll just wait and see what they do when it comes to race weekend and see how it goes. Because like, you just you don't know what you're going to get from the tyres sometimes. No. No, absolutely not. So is that the news now? I think, I think, that's, think, I think that's everything. I think that's... And it's still 15 days till Spa. This uh, week, this month is not even close to being no. over. Well, that's, that's part of the good reason for saving this podcast until now. At least... Uh, at least it gives something to break up the knot of all the people who who spunked their uh, podcast out within within hours of the race finishing because it was so good. We savoured it like a fine wine and delivered it to you um, at a time when it was most needed from your friends at the Last Lap Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 
I think that takes us nicely to the end of the podcast then on that note. Yeah. Um, thanks very much for listening, guys. Um, we're very pleased to bring you the Last Lap podcast uh, whenever we can, as often as we can. Um, remember that you uh, can grab all of the latest episodes from our website, www.lastlappodcast.co.uk. Uh, find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Last Lap Podcast. Um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and make sure to give us a rate and a review whilst you're doing so. Um, or you can find us on TuneIn as well, uh, where you can download onto all of your devices Android, iOS, Windows, I don't know, uh, potatoes, <laughs> any anything that you can hold up to your ear, quite possibly. Um, and on that note, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you after Spa. Thanks, then. Cheers.